Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Sabah al-khair. Good morning, dear listeners. You're listening to Radio 3CR on 855 AM and Palestine Remembered with Nasser Mashni, Robert Martin and Yusuf Ahmed Rimawi. In this episode, we have a few topics. The State Liberal Party discussing the motion to move the Australian embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem and also the cancelling of the visa to come to Australia, uh, the visa of Basim Tamimi, the Palestinian activist, the anniversary of Deir Yassin massacre, the 69th anniversary of that brutal massacre, and also we will be welcoming and talking to our friend Robert Martin about his trip to the United States and the anti-APAC activism over there. So for this and more, stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser and Rob. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Oh, I'm very excited to it's be back. It's good to have too. our international correspondent returning. I've missed you very much, the two of you. We have, uh, well, not as much, but we've missed you. In fact, a little bit. Yes. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk to you, Rob, about your trip to America. Um, I've seen um, lots of uh, posts and videos of the great work that anti-APAC uh, advocates in America and yourself uh, have done. Uh, but before uh, we start the, if we can say, the interview with you, we have also a few topics to talk about. What do you have uh, today, uh, Nasser? Well, I think, Yusuf, we need to just touch on a few things that are, are very topical at the moment. Uh, firstly, uh, the Victorian Liberal Party, the state Victorian Liberal Party, called for the embassy move from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So this is something that very is new. And, certainly. Uh, we're also going to talk about Bersam Tamimi, who uh, was set to board a flight uh, from Jordan to Australia to come and talk uh, in Australia on his uh, activism in Palestine and in the West Bank when um, his visa was revoked at the actual airport on, uh, before he got on the plane. So we need to address that. And also 69 years since uh, Dir Yassin and, and the importance of Dir Yassin from, in the first instance as a trigger for the ethnic cleanse of Palestine. And Dir Yassin is a village to the west of Jerusalem where a brutal massacre took place in 1948, just uh, pretty much a month before the declaration of the State of Israel. So uh, let's start with the uh, State Liberal Party's um, m- uh, motion. Is, is it a motion? Yeah, correct. So, so the way politics works in, in Australia and probably most other Western democracies is there are individual parties within states and they have membership and the members meet on an annual or semi-annual basis, maybe biannual, and will uh, push through policies, if you will, and push it up to a national executive and from there it becomes national 
policy. Um, so in early April, the, um, the Victorian branch of the Liberal Party vounded resoundingly is the word from, uh, uh, that was from the news report for, uh, in favour of making it a federal Liberal Party policy to advocate and support the move of the Australian embassy from Tel Aviv, where every other international embassy is, to Jerusalem. Mm. Um, so a really disturbing state of affairs. Sounds like the uh, Zionist uh, wing within the Liberals have been very busy. Oh, they've been very busy. Well, I mean, look, and, and we'll put a link to this uh, this news report onto the podcast so our listeners can find it. But, you know, you've got things like the Liberal MP for Caulfield, David Southwick, you know, who said this would further strengthen the, Australia's relationship. And he's so proud and grateful to be a member of the Liberal Party, which through Prime Minister's past and present recognises the importance of our country's relationship with Israel. I mean, just beggars believe it. So, so why, why is this happening? What, what's the point of the move? I think it's in uh, line with the uh, Trump administration's uh, revitalization of an old uh, project. Uh, it, it might sound like a symbolic move to move um, an embassy from one place to another, However, um, there, is, uh, there is so much more to that symbolic, uh, basically, step. And it will mean simply that Jerusalem is no longer an occupied sit- uh, city by or in the eyes of the international community. So the ramifications are huge. They're huge. And let me also provide a little bit of context from the Arab countries point of view, we know that the majority of Arabs feel disappointed um, towards the Arab League, and they might view it as a dysfunctional body. However, one of, even, even with a dysfunctional body like the Arab League, has issued a resolution that actually calls for ties cut with the United States or any country that takes that step. So you, not only... Australia is risking the relationship with the Palestinian Authority or the Palestinians in general, but also it's putting its relationship with the Arab world and probably the Muslim world at a stake. It just deplorable. We were just saying before that every uh, president in America has always said no to this other than Trump has sort of hasn't said yes, but he hasn't said no either. Mm. Well, it was part of his um, election promise when he went to the APEC conference. That being said, uh, Obama said the same stuff when he was in election mode. They'd all want to do it, but then they realize the repercussions of, you know, uh, they talk about Palestinians not doing um, unilateral moves. This is a unilateral move. I Mm. mean, Jerusalem is equally Arab and Christian and Muslim as it is Jewish. Mm. And to, to, you know, go beyond that point and and, and accept it. Yes, as, as a, uh, the capital, no internet, no country uh, recognizes this. That's true. I also want to uh, uh, just for the listeners who might be a little bit mixed up between what is East Jerusalem and what is West Jerusalem. There was only one Jerusalem. That is the old city between the walls. And if anyone has been to Jerusalem, it's clear that this is the huge big wall. I'm not sorry, I'm talking about the... Uh, not the Wailing Wall, but the, the, the wall around Jerusalem. I'm not also talking about the separation wall. No, no. I'm talking about the old cities. Yeah, the uh, old city wall. There is only and one Jerusalem. There is only one. It's, it's one Jerusalem. No, but what Israel has done in '48, it occupied five villages to the west of the uh, city 
One of them is Dir Yassin, which mm-hmm. we are going to talk about. Dir Yassin is located in a few steps away to the west of uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. There was also Ain Karim, where Hadassah Hospital uh, is. And there is also Al Malha. And there is also Beit Mahsir. These four or five villages uh, became the neighborhood that today is known West Jerusalem, as if this is East and this is West. However, the whole of Jerusalem remained under the control of Arabs, particularly Jordanians, until the 1967 war. And therefore, all of Jerusalem is occupied. And uh, this takes us, uh, Nasser and Robert, uh, to our... uh, um, maybe you should speak about Dir Yassin because it's more thematic to okay. uh, to Jerusalem, and then we'll we'll talk about Basim uh, after Dir Yassin. Of course. Well, as as we as you spoke to just a moment ago, um, Yusuf Dir Yassin uh, in April 9, 1948, um, uh, in the morning of Zionist terrorist organizations, the Irgun, Leila uh, Haganah, and um, the Stern Gang went into Dir Yassin. And Dir Yassin, as we just spoke, is in just west of the old city. And they called it Operation Nashon. And in be- somewhere, and then depending on which report you believe, somewhere between 100 and 250 Palestinians were slaughtered. And which was very important for us to, to speak to this. It wasn't a war. It wasn't a battle. Dir Yassin had, in fact, had a peace pact with a neighboring Jewish village. There was Jewish residents um, uh, a very f- uh, there was no enmity in, 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 in within Dir Yassin. They went in there and calculatedly <coughs> killed everybody, women, children, livestock, pets. They left enough survivors to see them flee to and the share story. the horror, to tell the story, absolutely. And it was from there, and number one, we should recognize, A, the leader of this massacre was Menachem Begin, who later who became Prime Minister of Israel. And, and later won the Nobel Peace, Peace Prize. Prize. That's right, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, no, no amount of blood is, can't be washed away by, by oh. an Israeli or a Zionist. And, and the reality is this massacre was the trigger, was the trigger, and as you said, Yusuf, six, six weeks before the declaration of the uh, State of Israel, was the trigger for the mass expulsion and the ethnic cleansing of Palestine. Because it's worth mentioning that uh, every radio uh, uh, or every Hebrew-speaking uh, uh, radio back then spoke about it. And then also the Arabs, when they um, uh, heard about the massacre, um, they thought that they are exposing the massacre and talking about the brutality of the massacre, but eventually did what the Zionists wanted. F- f- the, created the plan for them. Created the plan. A plan and, and, and more people and amplified the fear and I remember stories uh, from my own grandparents telling me about how Safad, to the very, very north. north of Palestine, was influenced within the next two or three days by what happened in Dir Yassin. Yeah. And that was systematic. And I also want to make a reference to uh, a BBC um, documentary on the 50th anniversary of Nakba that was in uh, 1998 they released classified information and uh, some of these documents made it into a documentary and uh, there was a clear statement by uh, the rulers of uh, the, who later became the prime ministers of Israel uh, including uh, Ben Gurion that had it not been for Dir Yassin 
Israel would not have been born. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Well, you know, you talk about the stories right. you've heard, Yusuf, as a child. I can tell my father's stories, the stories he told my brothers and I. It, you know, Deir Yassin is part of the consciousness that is Palestine. It's in our blood, in our hearts, in our soul. And, you know, nobody said it better than, than Edward Said. And he said, to recall Deir Yassin is not just to dwell on the past disasters, but to understand who we are, where we are going. Without it, we are simply lost. And mm. this is from Edward Said. And, you know, one of the things about... Um, that is different to most of the other stories, is the Zionist policy was to expel the residents of Palestine and then demolish the homes, plant trees over them to, in order to wash, erase erase, yeah, wash Palestine from the dirt. Mm. In Diriyasin, they didn't. In Diriyasin, the, 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 the homes and the, are, are there. Today, it's a mental asylum. Mm. Yeah, it's for the, the criminally insane and the mentally disturbed, as if, you know, uh, there is no greater... Um, juxtaposition than the cleansing of Diriyasin and the massacre of Diriyasin and Zionism, which is a mental illness, mm. than to create a insane asylum uh, in Diriyasin. Indeed. But what makes it even more calculatingly crazy is that if you visit uh, the Holocaust Museum, Israel's official Holocaust Museum, uh, Yad Vashem, if you go onto the lawns of the, the Holocaust Museum and look out, you are looking directly at Diriyasin. Mm. You look directly into Diriyasin mm. as if Never again to no one excludes Palestine and Palestinians. Except that one is Palestinian. Dis- uh, that is absolutely disgusting. And they're doing it absolutely on purpose. They do it, uh, this is, these things There's don't no happen. There's no reference at the, at the Holocaust Museum. There's no reference of any of it. No. No. There's also, uh, we have to also say that Dar Yassin was not the first massacre. No, or uh, the worst massacre, and all the worst massacre. Because after Dir Yassin, even after Israel was created, we have in the fifties the Qibya massacre. Mm-hmm. We have also a Samoa massacre. Mm-hmm. We have Kafur Qasim, Sabra and Shatila. We're still not there yet. We're not there. Either. Still in the fifties, <laughs> and then the list goes on and on and on, and of course to Sabra and Shatila in Lebanon, and uh, to Qana, Qana, yeah. Qana in, in Lebanon and Janine, and the list goes on. In fact, there is a book that is called "The Open Palestinian Holocaust." It's still open, ongoing, ongoing. Can, can I just ask? On the was Machine Begin? Was he the or, was he the orchestrator of it, or was he a child? What What was his role? I, I, I think he, he might not be the main leader, but he had leadership roles. He wasn't just the executor. Uh, and um, uh, all of them are equally uh, responsible and all of them are equally uh, the, the criminal. Ask, the only reason I ask is because the Zionist lobby continually say that the Palestinians teach, you know, they, uh, they, their martyrs are put on walls. And this guy was their prime minister mm. that they still talk about today. And, and I can't believe that that Holocaust Museum is built on that. that oh, it's, not, it's not built on Darius overlooking Darius So you can actually look on from the Holocaust Museum over Darius In fact, on the last note on this, because we need to move on, I want to also make reference to Madrid Conference in 1991, October 30th. Uh, 1991, when for the very first time the Arabs and Israelis met in one room publicly. And uh, Shimon uh, Shamir, uh, Ishak Shamir, Ishak sorry, Shamir, yeah. Ishak Shamir was the prime minister. He was the student of uh, Menachem Begin. He spoke to the Arabs about the terror or, and terrorism of Arabs against civilians, Jewish civilians. And to the credit of the Syrian uh, uh, delegation, they were 
in that room with a newspaper written in English by uh, the British mandate with a picture of Menachem Begin and Wanted. A Wanted poster, yeah. Wanted. It's, it's something we can go. We'll put it on, on the yeah. link. Yeah. It's 50,000 British pounds in 1948. Could have bought you Australia if you if you found this guy. And and they showed it to the same person. Oh, you're talking about terrorism? How about this? Um, so moving on, uh, Nasser and Robert, uh, to uh, Basim Tamimi, a Palestinian advocate. And in fact, uh, he is one of the most... Uh, respected and well-known activists uh, in popular struggle against the wall, against occupation, non-violent. Non-violent. Um, he was given, first he was invited to speak at the Marxist conference, which is going to be this weekend. Mm-hmm. And the Australians took forever to approve the visa. They did approve it the next day. No, not the next day. The, the day he was, four hours before he boarded the flight, Yusuf. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, he was at Jordan Airport. So he'd left uh, Palestine. Palestine. Tell me more. He left Palestine, crossed the bridge, went to Amman Airport, was in the airport and got the email. Hmm. Don't get on the plane. Your visa has been revoked. And, and wh- wh- where, where the issue is, you know, is that we've had this huge debate about 18C. We've had, um, you know, the Australian government bring Netanyahu to, uh, to, to, to Australia. Embrace Netanyahu. Embra- embra- we had visas issued, you know, to Gert Wilders, you mm. know, from Holland. Uh, the far, the far right uh, yeah. figure, Ayan Ali. She was supposed to be here last week, except they couldn't sell enough tickets to justify her appearance fee. Mm-hmm. These people get visas, but Basem uh, Basem Tamimi, who is you know the Amnesty International called him a, a prisoner of conscience, who's uh, the EU has celebrated as a, a humanitarian and uh, non-violent activist, whose brother you know was uh, killed by a tear gas canister shot at his head, who's been imprisoned, who's you know led demonstrations on a weekly basis, him and his family against the illegal seizing of his uh, village's land. This man is denied coming here. Um, but this is a, a, another example of the Zionists and Israel lobby shooting themselves in the foot, scoring an own goal, Yusuf. Because how many people are actually going to attend the Marxist conference this weekend? Mm. How many people are going to listen to him? Limited in WA? number with respect, well, I mean, yeah. And with respect, these are... Uh, you know, our supporters. The, it's, a, it's a home game. They're, de- they're dedicated. We, we, uh, we love them for their support and their solidarity, but it's it's a home game, yeah? Yeah. The reality is what what they've done is created uh, a furor around a, an activist that we love to see, but wouldn't, he wouldn't have got this level of publicity. The reality is it's been on it. the ABC, the, the BuzzFeed, Guardian. It's been in the, the Guardian. Age. Yeah. yeah, the Age, Electronic Intifada. Excellent. It's been all over the place. Mm. Um, So the the amount of coverage, in fact, um, only a couple of days ago, uh, Amira Haas wrote a really good article in in Haaretz. Yeah, so the amount of publicity that's come from the fact that uh, Dutton has decided not to let this guy in because his his views may, in fact, if I can find the quote, might pose a risk to the good order of the Australian community. That that, that doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) <laughs> it's just uh, not 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 just because I know that Basim will not pose any threat to the law and order of this country, uh, but it's it shows the bankruptcy the of, bank- the argu- of the argument. Absolutely. And what we want to hear about? I mean, we do better. I mean, yeah. if you want to really, yeah. we want to hear from you know, like Janet Albrechtson from the Australian. We want to hear from Andrew Bolt. We want to hear from you know, and James Patterson. These guys are jumping up and down to make sure that Wilders can get here, and they can make sure that you know, Ali freedom Shlitching. of speech. Where, where are these champions of freedom of speech <clears throat> now? Silent. <laughs> now, um, 
to you, uh, Robert, our uh, international correspondent. Now, I'm here, Yusuf. Uh, <laughs> look, look, I, I, thought, I thought you. Uh, okay, let's, let's continue. Now, uh, Robert, uh, welcome back again. Thank you very much, Thanks, Yusuf. I did uh, miss you both very, very much. And we did uh, also. Uh, Didn't we stop you leaving. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, 100%. Well, yeah, I still had to go. <laughs> we want you to tell us, uh, Robert, about uh, the event. I also want to know uh, why you actually wanted to take part in that event. Well, so, uh, all yours. Well, I went for two reasons. One was to go to the, the National Press Club where I could hear from world leaders like Ilan Pape and, and many, many others, which I had a... Hanan Ashrawi. Well, the list goes on. Mm. Um, but what, what, what I don't want to do is I, I want to tell you a little bit about some of them, mm. um, but I'm going to have a, a number of them come on the show and actually discuss them. That with would them. be fantastic. Um, and I did. Uh, I tuned into the show last week and I heard about you guys talking about the Australian public being more pro-Palestinian than they have been. Every year it's growing. Uh, and in America they were saying the same thing about the Americans. Grant Smith, who's the director of a DC-based Institute of Research for Middle East Policy, he's also the author of The Big Israel, which is a, is a great book, I have read it. He was talking to us about polling data. Um, do Americans support US aid to Israel? Now, 60% of Americans say it's far too much and it should be pulled back. They also had, um, they were discussing what's called the September 14 Memorandum of Understanding with Israel, where America said that, yep, we're going to give you $38 billion moving forward. They asked the question and it was over 60% of the Americans say, we don't stand for that, hmm. which was, was a great thing. Um, they have much higher obligations such as Poverty, water, and those sorts of things that they'd rather Schooling, make. health, universal health care. I mean, it, it doesn't stop. Let alone the wall. They've got to build a wall. With Mexico. <laughs> with Mexico. And get me the Mexicans who, who pay for it. it. <laughs> the Mexicans are going to pay for that it. That is a joke. Uh, they, they were also asked, asked whether or not the embassy should be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And 50, 56% of Americans say that they should not. it should not be moved, should not be tampered with. $254 million in foreign aid has been given to Israel thus far. Mm. 254 billion. 254 billion. Yeah. Did, did you know that? That is an absurd amount of money, isn't it? Well, it, it, goes, it goes a long way to dispelling this notion that the the Jewish people are special. Mm. I mean, because I've got to tell you, I can turn Papua New Guinea into a thriving <laughs> metropolis if you give me 254 billion. Well, and also, it, it, it also uh, destroys the, uh, the myth that Israel turned the desert, uh, the, the, sorry, the Israel turned the desert into... They made the say? desert bloom. They made the desert bloom. Yeah. Well, not without American money. Not without American money. <laughs> well, the, 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 there is a desert, but it, the place bloomed, yeah. I mean, it was a thriving... The Jaffa orange is Palestinian. It's not an Israeli notion. Mm. It was uh, the agriculture that existed in Palestine, pre-Zionist uh, uh, infiltration, occupation, and the, the, uh, the establishment of the State of Israel. There was a million people there that thrived in agriculture and livestock and olives and, 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 and. The civil society in Palestine before Nakba was a vivid one, mm-hmm. and it was actually a model to the rest of Arab countries. And uh, I know I promised not to give so much context, <laughs> but I will say one thing. There is, there is a columnist, a Lebanese columnist, his name is Talal Salman, who referred to Palestine as the jewel of the Arab world before Nakba. So you were Rob, saying, uh, Robert... Uh, let's, let's, get, let's get... What was your highlight, Rob? Highlight was actually spending time with Ilan Pape. 
Uh, I got to spend uh, time with him having lunch. The he's Israeli a, historian who wrote. He, he's written many, many books, but the, but the most importantly, the most important one was the, the ethnic, ethnic cleansing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're just checking on Robert's uh, bibliography <laughs> and knowledge there. And also uh, encourage uh, our listeners to read the book if yeah. you haven't yet. I'll, I'll also put the link of um, his talk over there as well. Alain Pompe was talking about the two-state solution being dead, and it's been dead for a long time. He said, "If you're sleeping with the, it's like sleeping with a corpse. If you believe that you're still going for a two-state solution, he said it's been dead for a very, very long time. He also said that Zionism is not an event; it's a structure. It's a settler colonial structure. Was in 1882 and still is today. You don't appease a settler colonial project by dividing Palestine. That will never appease it. You have to decolonize it." And this is something that obviously you guys know, and but it's something that the the leaders, American leaders, everyone trying to do the peace process, aren't talking like that. I want and to they ask, need to start talking about it. I want to ask you, Robert, about the anti-APAC uh, events uh, that you took part in. Uh, tell me about that. So we met out the front of the White House. We had some great speakers, Alison Weir. Uh, Iad Banat and a few others were, were, were talking. We then marched to the convention centre and little to my knowledge that there had actually been a fight going out the front of the uh, convention centre, a, a Jewish resistance. Um, the Jewish Defence League, they're a terrorist organisation. Okay, and mm. so well known by the FBI. So they got there a little they're bit a earlier. they terrorist organisation, exactly. It's, like not, it's not an opinion, this is a fact. It's a fact, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did he get from Canada to get in there? So it was the leader that was there who actually started uh, beating people. I think there was a 50, almost 60-year-old Palestinian man that was beaten. Mm. Mm. Uh, when we got there, they left because there was about a 1,000 of us, but they got there very, very early. There was a The people that they were beating up was the If Not Now When, which is a Jewish-formed group formed in about 2014. Very well prepared. They sing. They don't yell. They're very well organised. They had uh, Dr. Cornell West with them. He was actually with them, leading them. Uh, and so that was really, really interesting to see. Uh, big diverse group uh, of people, but also the, 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 I suppose the bit that really really upset me was a, uh, a rabbi Shmuley. Now I won't give him too much airtime, mm. but he's a rabbi who's written a lot of books. He's been on Oprah Winfrey. He's on CNN on a regular basis. He's the go-to man, and he writes about relationships. Now he was walking around there with maybe his son was maybe thirteen, maybe a little bit younger, and he had a small microphone on his jacket, and he had a cameraman about ten meters behind. And he was walking around trying, trying to, to entrap people. Into he was trying to entrap people, mm-hmm. and you know, basically labelling us a you know a hate organisation. All we want is the Jews to disappear. But you do have Jews on board, hundred percent, and there were lots of them. And, and so he was going up trying to just get tiny little words that he could use on his TV show. He has a million followers on his Facebook page, mm-hmm. one million followers. That would and be more than one million haters. Well, Not uh, yeah, it should be. But mm. the fact that he was, uh, he put uh, one of my friends, Eamon, over there, who was a Palestinian from Gaza, who writes about trauma. Shmuley put him in a corner and started demonising him, saying that he just hates the Jews and all of these sorts of things, which is just not correct. Eamon broke down in tears, and then this guy walked off to another group, just looking for the really angry people. We then came across Miko Paled, and I don't think he knew who Miko was. He was surprised that Miko was a Jew the way he was talking. I tried to find out from uh, Shmuley whether he'd ever been in the West Bank and seen from the other side, mm. which he didn't. He just told me to go back to Australia you know, and look after the Aboriginals. Again, diversion, but just a hateful person. Uh, by the sound of it, it sounds like they're losing their mind when they do things as silly as violence, 
like the defense league attacking people physically or like this silly childish approach that you entrap people into saying something and then you take it out of the context well, I think it's worked it. for years hasn't it I think it has however, worked for however long. they should they should have more respect to the minds of those who want them to believe in whatever they're trying to to say and and really and really grow up in in, in their counter well, hopefully they will one day Look, Nasser and I were talking just before the, the show and were saying that the things that Israel has done to the Palestinians, you couldn't write about. And so most of the things that they've done are so unbelievable, people just don't believe it. Mm. And I think it's time that people started to wake up, and I think it's starting to happen. Now, um, is there anything else you want to share about your trip to the United States in the last, let's say, 90 seconds? I will put on, uh, on, our, on our link all the different speakers, because there's such wonderful people that you can learn from um, and people that we don't get to, to hear every day. And so make sure that you do go on there um, and let us know your thoughts. Excellent. 0437 Send us your thoughts, your questions, and we'll be happy to respond. We should thank those. The only qu- the comments we've had to date have been all uh, really fantastic and uh, Yes, I also so we want to thank those guys. I want to share one of the, um, unfortunately, he or she didn't leave a name. Um, an avid listener phoned in to say another great show, which is excellent. And uh, Send us your money. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, but... Uh, <laughs> So um, there's a little bit of hate mail, but not a lot. But the the love mail is definitely overtaking, and, which is great. And uh, of course, it's uh, in terms of uh, dispro- how disproportionate it is. Uh, I mean, we have so much more supportive uh, messages and emails than uh, hate. And whoever sent me the flowers, thank you. <laughs> um, happy Easter! Yes, happy Easter to everybody of our listener, and I really hope. You, you have a blessed uh, holiday, and until we meet uh, next uh, Saturday, remember to tune in, same time, 9.30 in the morning, for more stories, news, views, and reflections. and reflections on Palestine. So until then, have a great time, and happy Easter. Happy Easter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast, produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.